Hi, and welcome to Matt Holman Talks Mental Health, the podcast where I have the opportunity to sit down and chat with amazing humans about their journeys with mental health. For this episode, I'm so happy to introduce Bev to the conversation. Welcome, Bev. Hello. Hi. Thank you. <laughs> Hello. Hi. Thank you. You're more than welcome. Um, I love that start. So as I will always do, just a very brief introduction from me as to how Bev and I know each other. And then I'll get you to do a proper introduction, Bev, first, so everybody can really understand what you're all about and what you're doing. Um, but Bev and I, we know each other through the world of business travel, um, global business travel. And uh, Bev's going to tell you more about her role. But um, I guess we only really got introduced last year when Bev asked me to participate in, in an article or, or something that was being written, a piece of uh, content for the business travel world, uh, talking about mental health, talking about traveler well-being and the, the work that I was doing in there so we sort of stayed in touch since then we actually managed to meet up in person for the first time at a conference recently yeah little um, little dance happy dance um, and it's just been great because you know we're still continuing these conversations Bev I'm gonna throw it over to you though because you can tell people all about you who you are and what you do oh gosh okay so I am Bev Ferris I'm the editor of the business travel magazine which is how I know Matt um, I have been a travel journalist for uh, gosh 30 years or so, I think, um, which is quite scary. Um, I um, started off in business travel, funnily enough, um, and then kind of moved into other areas. And then I've come back to business travel, which has been really nice because um, a lot of the people that I met back in my early career, my mid twenties are still still knocking around. Um, and uh, some of the issues are still the same, but there's been so much that's happened uh, since then. It's a completely different industry, completely different world, obviously, particularly at the moment with COVID. Um, yeah. I actually started the job uh, in the midst of the first lockdown. So it's been quite an interesting time. Um, and as Matt said, we didn't meet until, you and I didn't meet until quite recently. And there's been loads of people that I didn't meet for many, many months when I first started my job. And it's been amazing. And I'm actually quite gutted this week that things are starting to go a bit the other way again, because yeah. um, I was really <clears throat> enjoying it. I was really enjoying getting back out there again. and seeing people and and you know as, as you you and I know when you go to, to events you get to know people a lot better than you would on a on a on a zoom um meeting so I'm yeah I'm just hoping it's just a temporary blip and we're all back to where we were before in a few weeks time hopefully yeah. no definitely I know I'm 100% with that as well and the travel industry has been absolutely sucker punched many times over the last uh, 18 20 months or so isn't it and it's just keeps on you know, it's like an everyday change, isn't it? So so we keep our fingers crossed. We keep positive that the future is going to be bright for the industry again uh, very soon. So the reason for this conversation, though, um, is for you to talk a little bit about your journey and to explore a few of those ideas around, you know, where you've been, what you've been through and your experience of life. Uh, that's what this is all for. So the big question, your journey with mental health, I'll leave that with you. You can go with what you want, whatever you like yeah, to say. Whatever I like to say. See, it's... It, I'm one of those people, I have to say, that I kind of feel like I've been quite blessed in my life. There's been, certainly my childhood was a very kind of easy ride. I, you know, had a happy family um, environment. I loved school. I didn't have any problems with any of the issues I know some, you know, people do have. I went to university. I, um, I've always knew I wanted to be a journalist and I became a journalist and necessarily want to be a travel journalist but I wanted to be I wanted to be a newsreader when I was um right. that was so in it, I guess in a way I haven't fulfilled that that dream but these perhaps these podcasts go some way to here you I am know. today yeah. you recorded um but I always knew I wanted to be a journalist I kind of had a yeah quite a straightforward uh quite quite a straightforward run um and then I 
started being a travel journalist. And I, and I know that when you and I spoke uh, right at the beginning, Matt, you um, yourself had um, had some experience of, of traveling a lot and the, and the stresses and strains that it put on you. And I have to say, probably, if I'm going to talk about mental health um, related to to business travel, I did. There was there was a time um, uh, in my career when I was tra I was traveling too much, a bit like you. Um, and it was I wouldn't say I had any kind of particular breakdown, but it was certainly affecting um, my. You know, I felt I felt tired, I felt exhausted. Um, I wasn't. It got to the stage where I wasn't really enjoying the travel. Um, I was basically working at a magazine where I was the only person in the office that was in a situation where I could travel. I was, you know, single, didn't have any family commitments. And so every trip that came in, they're like, can you go? And I, did, I didn't have to go, to be, on, to be honest with you, but you kind of go, oh, you know, this all sounds great. I can go to this place and yeah. that place. And, just, you know, some of the trips were incredible. Some of them, you, um, you know, I found myself in some amazing luxury resorts you know, with my own butler, but completely on my own and thinking, what the hell am I doing here? I'd rather be at home yeah. you know, watching telly, um, which makes, you know, it sounds so un ungrateful. And my friends were all just so terribly jealous of me, you know, going off here and there. But in fact, it didn't, it wasn't enjoyable. Um, and um, I think at that time, I actually, one of, one of the most amazing trips that I went on, it, it, in theory, was I went to the Galapagos Islands. Um, oh. And... While I was there, I actually had a bit of a, I, I don't know, I'm looking back now, I'm wondering whether I had some kind of reaction to the malaria tablets. We had to take malaria tablets. And it was a, the only time I've really ever felt really quite low. Um, okay. And I shouldn't have been because I was on this, you know, incredible cruise around the Galapagos mm. Islands. We, you know, I was with the, um, actually with the, the journalists, the other journalists on the trip weren't particularly my kind of people, I have to say, but that, was, that wasn't normally, that's not a problem, but I just, mm felt really down I started to sort of question what I was doing um with my career I was commuting up to London from Brighton at the time um on the terrible Thames Link train when it was a complete nightmare and there were always cancellations and I was you know I loved my I loved my job but I didn't really like the commute and um anyway I was kind of getting a bit off track here when I was away um feeling quite low um we it was, it was in the time time before mobile phones. Can you believe that there was a time before mobile? Wow, phones? Okay. You couldn't actually a long. a long, long time ago. I couldn't actually contact my um, anyone back home. But I did actually. We went onto one of the islands one day, and there was a phone box, and I rang my mum just to say hi and let her know that I was doing okay. And I just knew that something was amiss from my mum. She wasn't going to tell me, but I said, "Mum, I can tell there's something not quite right." And my my grandma had ended up in hospital. She'd had a stroke, and I was desperately close to my grandma oh, um and I obviously for the rest of the trip I was just absolutely you know devastated and worried came back um and at the same time where I was working there were some redundancies that were having to be made and I was in charge of a team we'd taken a lot of people to, to launch a website um and I was told right you've got to make some redundancies and I thought do you know what I, I'm not going to make these redundancies because these are all people that I've, you know, I've, I've recruited. Um, yeah. And I was, and I'm sick of the commute. I'm going to actually make myself redundant. So I basically resigned. And it was, and I don't know, looking back now, whether it was something that was, you know, again, the, the malaria tablets had affected the way I was thinking. But I did it, and I and I went freelance, and it was the best thing I did. Uh, you know, I, I managed to have a that because I wasn't having to travel as much as I was before. Yeah. I could pick and choose what I was doing. I was also working from, you know, from home in Brighton. I 
got a shared office space with some friends and suddenly my whole life was completely changed and I had something I really enjoyed living you know in Brighton it was you know I, I was getting the full benefit of it I had some really good friends that I shared an office with I was traveling still but not as much um and yeah for many many years I carried on being a, a freelancer and absolutely loved it um so I carry on or are you going to ask <laughs> no you carry on it's your it's your time um, so yeah so that so that's one of the one of the, I mean, as I said I don't think I was you know necessarily in a depression but it was certainly something yeah. which changed my way of thinking so I went, went freelance um many many years while in Brighton I met my um now um what age was I here this is the, this is the other thing that I can talk about in relation to mental health I was about 33 34 we got together okay so um not particularly late in the day but fairly late and quite quite quickly we, we you know we we he moved in and you know not quite quickly, but within you know six months to a year and then we started talking about having you know do we want children yeah we do want children and then we um decided well you know if we both want children then maybe we should start trying for children and obviously I was you know getting to mid-30s so um it didn't happen it didn't happen straight away it happened it took many many years four, four or five years um a lot of um, hospital visits eventually, you know, when we realised things weren't going to happen, um, we spent a lot of, um, you know, uh, time being investigating what's, what's the problem. Never, no, no problem was ever particularly found other than the fact that my um, sort of fertility age was more than it, you know, higher than it would have been for somebody of my age. So they were, we were kind of all, you know, we were kind of already a few years behind. But yeah, that was a that was probably the, the hardest time of my life in that we were just both really, really wanting to have a child and it just wasn't happening. Um and things kind of in the meantime, obviously you know, all of our friends were you know popping out kids left, right and center and you know and their lives were moving on and we were still in this kind of place where we were just you know it just wasn't happening. And I think I was lucky then that I wasn't still working in London and commuting in because yeah. obviously that takes a lot of, I don't know if anyone out there's, you know, gone through, but it takes a lot of time and, and energy. And I think if I, you know, there were days when I was, you know, obviously every month you're like, oh, this is going to happen. It's going to happen and it doesn't happen and, yeah. you, you know, and you're upset. Um, and if I was in that office environment, I think it would have been quite tough to, to, to deal with all that but because I was, you know, working from home and, and you know, sharing office with friends, it was a much more, um, easy ride for me although you know it was difficult um anyway there's, there's a happy ending before anyone yep. <laughs> worries we we actually had um well, we had uh one IVF session on the NHS which was a total disaster I didn't respond to the drugs and was pretty much told by an absolute bastard of a doctor that you know it's never going to happen um and my, meanwhile he's looking at his watch because it's nearly lunchtime and he's like who's oh, really? Yeah. Um, and anyway, then we co coincidentally, we, we lived in, in Hove and my husband at that time was a photographer um, and he basically um, had been asked to do a photo shoot of a new fertility clinic that had opened up around the corner. So he had come home with me with this brochure and was sort of early in the early days of us trying. Oh, looking now. I said, oh, yeah, brilliant. Anyway, the NHS was saying you've had your one shot. It's not going to happen. So we were kind of, what do we do now? We were looking into egg donation and all sorts of things. And then he said, well, let's just go and, you know, speak to these people at this clinic. Went along, she told us, told them what happened, you know, what our journey had been. And they were like, let's just, you know, we don't think there's a reason why, you, you know, you, it, it was a, 
it was kind of bad luck. Let's, let's give it another go. And we thought, oh, we're just after our money. Obviously, we're paying for this. Um, we did the first stage um, and we got uh, a pretty weak result, but it was kind of it was something to, to work with. Um, so we went through, we had the, the uh, two... I mean, normally, I don't know if you do you know much about IVF, but you won't get you. I don't no, know. Not, not personally. No. Right. No. <laughs> you, you usually get, um, you, you know, you're giving lots of drugs to stimulate, you, you stimulate okay. your, um, to, to, to get things, to, to, to get more eggs. So you normally end up with, you right. know, a couple of dozen and okay. then they pick out the best ones. I ended up with, I think, um, three and only two were even worth um, right. doing anything with. So anyway, we were, again, we went through thinking there's absolutely no way it's going to, it's going to happen. Um, but by complete miracle, and I do think it's a miracle, I um, I got pregnant, and mm-hmm. uh, and we have a son uh, who's now twelve, and um, yeah, it's I mean, after years and years of trying, it was just the best thing yeah. ever. It was just you know, and I've and I whenever I feel a bit about anything now because I remember at the time thinking all I want in life is just to have a child, and if you know if whatever else happens, I'll be happy. And so whenever I do feel that, you know things are getting a bit too much I just think do you know what I've got my son and it was completely worth the way he's amazing not always amazing he's <laughs> in the arse sometimes but um yeah, but yeah man. most of the time yeah and I just yeah I feel it's completely blessed and um and I you know and I, I have friends who were in the same boat who, st- who you know still you know haven't had a, a child and, and they're now in their fifth, you know and they and they presumably they they never will and I and I you know I just feel so so sad for them and, and, yeah. and grateful that I, you know, I was one of the lucky ones, um, even if I had a bit of a journey. And I know other people have journeys a lot, lot harder than I had. Um, and I, I mean, if I was listening to something on the radio recently about a poor, you know, people who've been in, the, in, in this COVID lockdown and obviously everything was, you know, everything was cancelled and, you know, when your biological clock's ticking and you're desperately, you know, wanting to have this yeah. treatment, I, God, I was thinking that must be really, really hard for people yeah um you know I was just trying to pick myself in that situation and thinking what it would have been like if I'd have been told well I'm sorry everything's shut now and you can't have your treatment until you know whenever we open the hospital again so yeah it's um yeah that's my story wow. <laughs> it's fascinating <laughs> but what was that I said there you, there you go there's my story what else there you go but you said something to me before we recorded actually that you didn't think you had a story and you've just told uh, me a whole story you know, and, and, and it's your story and it's, you know, that thing about others have it worse. And I, and I always thought of think about that and think, but your journey is your story and it's your journey, isn't it? So as much as we try to validate and compare it and contrast it with other thoughts, it's still what you've been through. And what I can hear from you is you've been through an experience of life where there's been some really positive stuff like your son, you know, and and questionable whether a 12 year old son is a, you know, is, a, is an exciting experience at the moment. Maybe I don't know. I've, I know from experience of having two girls who are teenagers and, you know, that's that brings about its own set of uh, yeah, sure. challenges. I think boys maybe well, I'm not going to say it. I was going to say a bit easier. <laughs> I don't want to jinx anybody. No, I've got all that to come. Yeah, you know, but um, but enjoy it when it's when it's still uh, still good. Um, but it really is it's fascinating. I'm going to touch on sort of a couple of points in there if that's okay and and sort of that piece when you were away and things weren't going so well so this is going back a a little while of course but and you were feeling low how did you come out of that was that because you changed and you took that redundancy that you felt all of a sudden that pressure changed or what was the catalyst for that change of feeling well I think a the malaria tablets will probably wore off that's interesting I've never heard that 
and I've literally never felt you know obviously you have times where you feel a bit fed up um is, it, is my internet connection okay so it's okay now saying it's not okay but yeah I was, I was just saying you know I, I that was the only time I really felt low like yeah. really like I didn't really want to you know get up and you know, go on the amazing trip to the Galapagos, which is, is just yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. It. Um, but uh, yeah, I think basically just taking that um, the the pressure away of the the daily commute for a start. Just and I think I um, it just sort of gave me some some space and a bit of time yeah. just to um, you know. And I think and it you know uh, you know going back to obviously my my, my nan, she um, she she passed away some months later but there was a time when you know she needed a lot of um you know uh, we, we were seeing her she was she went into hospital and I yeah. spent a lot of time you know moved it down to my parents my parents had to go away my sister was living in, in Canada at the time my parents went to see her so I, I moved down to their house and I was sort of visiting her every day in hospital um and that wouldn't have been possible had I still had the you know said the job in yeah. London so that decision I think even though I didn't know what was going to happen it kind of did and you know, and, and ultimately, kind of probably led to me meeting my now husband and all those things. Oh. That, that's a change. But, you know, other than that, I'm quite lucky. You know, I have never felt. I, you know, I'm quite a, I'm quite a happy, positive yeah. person. But that's I do, good. and we mentioned it earlier, running. I do think that running mm. and exercise has helped me considerably and I didn't start really doing that till I was in my mid-20s and I lived with a girl in London um, there's about five of us shared a, um, a house in Clapham and she was the most just the most positive lovely happy person and she ran every day and I and at that point I didn't I didn't run you know I wasn't I, I did a lot of sport at school but I didn't really you know when you get to the university or when you're a teenager you don't really keep it up so yeah. I thought oh, do you know what I'm just going to give it a go so me and another girl in the house decided to sort of Prod around Clapham Common one morning, yeah. And from you know, it was it was really hard to start with. Uh, I realised I didn't have very good shoes as well, which didn't help. But I got some decent <laughs> running shoes, and then uh, and then from that day on, I've just been completely addicted to running. If I don't, my husband would tell you, if I don't go at least sort of two or three times a week, I'm I get a little bit agitated and not wow. a very nice person to be. You know, I, I need to to go. You know, me yeah. mentally, and it and it's where I do all my thinking, and it's where. I, you know, I don't do yoga or anything. I just, when I, my relaxation is to go for a really good run. Although, you know, I don't run as much as I used to. Yeah. I'm doing marathons like you're doing still. Half, half maybe, but certainly not a full one. But um, I still need, yeah, I, I, I do think it's kind of kept me, um, you know, it, it, if I go for a run or do anything in the morning, it makes me a lot more, I can think straighter and I'm a lot more um, together for the rest of the day. So I think that's really helped well i love that answer correct answer correct um, yeah i know but i love it because because it is it's something i can connect to as well and i'm sure many people listening and i know you know i'm part of a running club and community and i always share this with them as well you know these these episodes and and and, and to hear the benefits of running only enhances the need to go out and do it regularly right it really yeah. helps when we know it um yeah I'm i gonna, think that's I think the, sorry going back to the commute that, when you're doing a long commute every day yeah that really that's sort of it restricts your your chance to do that. Yeah. So I think you know when you're when you're um you know so I think this although although I'm not sure about homeworking for the younger generation, I do worry about how they're going to cope with not you know. So I think back yeah. to my twenties, my social life revolved around 
works. I, I think it's but certainly from a from a um, you know from a health point of view. I think it does give you the opportunity to you know to, 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 yeah. to running to do things you know to nip to the local gym in the in your lunchtime and all the things that you know you, you suddenly you've got that extra time of your day when yeah. you're not being on a train to do some of the things which would you know, hopefully help with your mental health. I think and I totally agree with that and I think the biggest challenge in the balance at the moment is whose time is the commuting time and I think so often people just sacrifice that by going well I can log on to my emails early and I can finish later because I don't have to sit on the train and actually as I tried to remind people we we actually never gave that to our businesses when we were commuting <laughs> so that was all our time wasn't it and it's it's yeah. that balancing point isn't it so I, I totally hear what you're saying um I do want to go to the conversation a little bit around your experience with you know having a baby and, and getting pregnant and everything else because i'm sure no doubt there'll be people listening who may be going through experiences like that or been through um in terms of sort of the the mental impact of that i, I do want to explore that just slightly both from your perspective and your husband's if that's okay yeah. how would you define that what was going on i guess you know I, well, I can only guess what was going on yeah so um it, it was actually it was tough i have to say yeah. um and i do you know i kind of think if, if a relationship can get through through that um then you know you you kind of onto a, a good a good one it wasn't easy there were there were he, he's four years younger than me so I think I always had this kind of like oh I'm, you know he could be with somebody younger and so there was you know it literally went from you know obviously to start we, we didn't really think anything you know we just we just wanted to have a, a baby and we knew it wasn't going to happen sort of you know in the first month but as time yeah. went on you go through a whole load of emotions and yeah part of part of mine was kind of like oh god you know Am I, am I sort of stopping him from being the one who's going to have his family? And I had this sort of guilt thing, um, you know, which he just thinks, you know, he says it's, it's ridiculous. I don't, he obviously didn't think that at all, but that's how I was feeling. Um, I felt I felt a lot of resentment to people. And, I've, and I feel terrible about this now. And I could look back and think, God, yeah. I, it was awful. I felt a lot of resentment for people, for my friends around me that were having children yeah. and, and were, you know, weren't, and weren't having the problem. And they were like, oh, we just went out and, Got drunk one night and we you know we we and it happened you know why don't you just and amount of people said to me just if you just relax and not worry you know if you don't if you stop thinking about it it will happen and I have to say I wanted to punch a few people when they said that to me really because, yeah you say well you know you can't just suddenly decide to switch off your desire to have a family it doesn't really work like that um yeah uh, so you know it's all very uh, yeah it was I, I I felt quite a lot of resentment my, my best friend actually had um a baby and I remember just being really and two of my best friends had children at the same time and they started kind of doing baby things you know they sort of obviously they started hanging out together and I did you know it was it was tough I kind of felt quite um yeah I mean, it sounds quite resentful and I, I, I wasn't happy about it I wasn't you know and I, I, you know I should have been really happy for them but yeah. I, I wasn't I, I felt quite you know quite upset and Kind of oh you know I basically wanted to be kind of you know part of that club and I wasn't part of that club. Um, it was tough. Um, I, obviously at the same time I you know I was my mum was desperately wanting to be a grandma so another <laughs> pressure yeah another pressure you know I had, um, you know terrible kind of you know I wanted to make it happen for her as well and she yeah. I mean, blessed she was just you know she didn't put any pressure on at all but I when we were, in fact, she was the first person that we told um, that when I was pregnant, that we literally just sort of turned up on a doorstep, didn't even tell we were coming. We just said, because she knew we'd having, we were having the treatment. Um, she didn't know when the result, we told her, we, we lied and told her that the results were due, um, that we would find out a day after we actually found out. Yeah, so yeah. She, I just wanted to sort of prepare myself. I was convinced it wasn't going to happen. Yeah. 
Um, so we just turned up on the day, the day before she thought we were going to get the results and told her that was incredible. Um, so yeah, it, it was tough. We had it was it was a it was a tough time. Um, yeah. But like anything, you kind of look back now and you go, it's you know, it's it was worth it. And um, that's good. But yeah, when you're in it, you just think it's it's yeah. never going to happen. Um, and yeah. I wouldn't want to do it all again. And I, and I've, you know, I've got friends now who've got nieces who are going through the same thing. And I just, you know, I just yeah. really feel for them. I think, and, you know, unless you've, unless you've been there, it's, people say, oh, you know, you're not ill. I remember listening to some discussion <laughs> on radio about, you know, you know, people shouldn't be given, you know, IVF and why, why is it, you know, for national health and it's not, but it is actually, you know, it's, it's a huge, um, it's, a men, it's, it is a mental health issue. You know, if you're, yeah. if you, you know, you, are, you spend your whole life, you know, uh, man or woman thinking that you're going to have a, you know, a, a family and then you, it just doesn't happen. Then you, you do everything you can to, um, to yeah. try and make it happen. And, um, you know, obviously we, you know, we, we were looking into adoption at the same time, but sure. that actually at the time was, was difficult. There were very few um, opportunities to adopt. Um, I think it's actually better now if you want to okay. do a job but I think at that time it was you know there were huge waiting lists it was going to take years and because of my I was creeping up to the age of 40 it wasn't necessarily going to be yeah. the case of me being able to have um, you know I might, I might have been able to have a, an older child which obviously then brings other complications so yeah mm -hmm. it's, um, it was it was a tough time but um, yeah it, 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 it I guess it strengthened our relationship and, it, and it's made us probably more um I'm sure everybody appreciates their children but I think it, you know if, if you have to sort of have to have a big he, he doesn't actually know my son that he's uh, an IVF child I, oh, okay. him, yeah we will we will tell him I just yeah. I, he's I, it's funny you know it's, it's amazing what amount of people you meet that also you know when you talk to people who've, who've had um children who who are IVF and, and funny enough we drive past the clinic quite a lot when we he used to go to um, a little French club, and I used to drive past the clinic. Right. And I'm just going to say to him, "That's where, yeah. that's where you conceived." Amazing. <laughs> that, that oh. but, um, I think when he's, when he's when he's on biology and he understands a bit more about how yeah. he probably does already understand how babies are made. But yeah, <laughs> he's they already know, <laughs> yeah. really know a lot. Don't worry about that. <laughs> But it's, I, I think it's, I, it's fascinating, Bev, and, and I, I just huge thank you for sharing all of that as well. And, you know, that experience and the, and the journey that you've been on. And, I, and you, you know, that's going to help other people. And I really do genuinely believe that to know, you know, it's it's hard when you're in it. And it's it's so true about everything that impacts on our mental health, you know, because that's ultimately, of course, there's a physical part to it having a baby piece you know it's quite a physical piece isn't it um but it also has a mental impact and, and and that's what we're trying to extract and think about in these conversations it's not just you know the physical element and that's sometimes where we get struck with that thought of it's all physical and it's not it all has an impact doesn't it um we are coming right towards the end of this oh, not. it's like it's incredible isn't it you said <laughs> i don't know if i can talk for this um uh, so so as i will always do i'm going to sort of ask you to do a little wrap up around your sort of what you want to share any thoughts and so on um you know so just a huge thank you from me to you really firstly is the most important thing because you know you you said you would participate in recording a conversation with me and I love that because that was fantastic so any final thoughts from you Bev anything you want to share with anybody out there uh I, I would just say if you don't already <laughs> just try running um okay you have to say I've, I have to say now you know I've had a few injuries recently and I've got walking has become um and a dog and a, and a lockdown puppy so I, walking is just as good as running um 
actually I say that I, I do prefer running but walking is is uh, the second best thing to running yep. um and yeah and if you are going through gosh the whole um you know fertility journey then gosh best of luck and just don't give up and yeah try and um I guess yeah, it's amazing you know, talk to other people because it's amazing how many, particularly now I think with the way that people's lives are, you know, so mm. busy and I think it's becoming more and more common for people to have um, fertility issues and people are leaving it later and later for, you know, for whatever reason. So um, I think just, yeah, don't think you're on your own because you're not, there's loads of people. And I think because I'm quite vocal about it, it's amazing how many other people you sort of get chatting to even in supermarket queues who've you know, particularly they've got twins, you always have to go, oh, and then it was, you know, often turns out that they've got, um, they've had uh, IVF. So yeah, but, and I'm, and I'm also looking forward to speaking to you in a minute. <laughs> I, we, I'm doing a podcast, a podcast with Matt in a minute. For, <laughs> for um, yeah, it's, it's weird, Matt, to say being the person on the other yeah. end, so be prepared. I was, I was, I was actually saying to, to Matt before we started, I was probably much more nervous about doing this than anything I've, any of the ones I've done, you know, yeah. when I've been the one asking the questions, because it's, yeah, it's weird being in the spotlight. How do you feel now that you've... Yeah, but I, feel, yeah, I feel like I've had some kind of therapy session. <laughs> like, there we go. But that's the beauty of it, isn't it? Oh, and the dog's arrived just in time, right? But that's the reality of this, isn't it? It, it yeah. is a therapy session in many ways, because that's what therapy is about. It's just talking about some of those things that we've been through or experiences we're going through and that's what it's all there for so yeah I will be recording very shortly with you Bev uh, like literally in a few minutes when we switch off this zoom and go on to another one um what is the name of your podcast Bev let people know where they can find you well checking in with and it's on the business travel um magazine website and we'll put links to it in the uh, post for this one as well um <laughs> gosh so so I'm really looking forward to the long list of questions that you've got to ask me as well um <laughs> As I will always say at the end of these podcasts, um, huge thank you, Bev, for, for participating firstly. But secondly, if anybody is struggling, if you do need extra help, you are not alone. And you, Bev, you made that very clear as well. Please don't think that you're going through this journey of life without any support or anybody there that can support you. So please know that. Um, if you do need to talk in confidence with somebody, you can always call Samaritans, 116123. Please you know, know that they're always there every day, all day to support you. Um, I'm very proud as a Samaritan, of course, so I would say that. Um, but also if you want to text, you can text to shout eight five two five eight and there are many other organizations out there that are there just to support you to listen and to you know give you that little bit of comfort and support to know that there's somebody always there right we are done so thank you uh bev i would say i'll see you soon but i will literally see you in a moment um, thank you very much it's been lovely to talk to you take care take care bye, bye.